Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. Excited to share an interview with Ashley Zaxt over at Chili Piper. She has a really interesting story. She actually was working as a professional dancer for a while, then actually switched careers, was the head of marketing at a startup called Bravado in the Bay Area, and decided that she wanted to see some more diversity in the sales game for women. So she actually now started working as an SDR. We kind of get into how she transitioned from a marketing role to sales. And now after being an SDR for four months, she's already an account executive. So she's really good at kind of maneuvering from different places that she wants to go in her career. So I thought that this was a really interesting interview for anyone looking to switch your path. Hope you enjoy. I guess for all those people out there that don't know you, would you just mind introducing yourself? Sure. Ashley Zaxt. I'm an account executive at Chili Piper, currently residing in Portland, Oregon. What else yeah. do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So I, I know that I, I checked out one of your podcasts with uh, Scott Lees, and I heard in the podcast that you originally kind of started off in marketing. You were a dancer, I guess, professional dancing at some point and then you kind of fell into like or not fell but like went into a marketing role because you I guess had other friends in the startup world how did how did that all I guess how did that all go down like from like the dancing to the marketing and whatnot yeah so it really you know I had danced professionally before I went to school then I went to school studied dance continued dancing professionally after and I was living in the Bay Area at the time, like after I graduated, I moved to San Francisco. And I, you know, had a ton of friends from school who also moved to the Bay. I went to University of Oregon, so easy move. A handful of my friends were working in various tech jobs, various startup jobs. And I, you know, was busting my butt dancing and then bartending and, you know, trying to pay San Francisco rent. And it was brutal, challenging to say the <laughs> least. So, um, you know, I started just, and I'm grateful because like I did get to dance professionally with different contemporary companies in New York. So I like, I was hitting a point where I was like, okay, maybe I want to do something where I make a, a good paycheck every two weeks and, and not having to chase my money. So sure. I started off doing informational interviews, you know, just talking to anybody who would listen to me, trying to figure out like, A, could I make that transition, you know, would somebody hire somebody with a dance degree, um, sure. you know, at a tech startup hindsight's 2020. Now I know it like doesn't really freaking matter. So whatever degree you have, I started talking to friends of mine. One of my friends worked at, worked at Twitter. She was in sales. I had another friend who worked at a company called nerd wallet. She was in marketing, you know, talked to a couple other people in various roles. And at the time it just seemed like Coming from a creative background, having been in the creative world, the entertainment world, pretty much my whole life, I was like more suited at least to have the conversation about that transition um, mm -hmm. into a marketing role. So I started kind of putting together what my transferable skills were and how to articulate those and how that would, how to speak the language of the people that I was going to be talking to when I was going through these, these interviews mm -hmm. and things and ended up getting an interview at a company called By Rule you know, landed an internship first. And after three months of that, got hired full-time and was on the marketing team there. And that was a video ad tech company. So when I, uh, they specialized in programmatic advertising, which if you don't know what that means, great. You're probably a part of 97% of the population. <laughs> um, I learned a lot. The, the team there was, you know, incredibly talented. Like that was one thing that the CEO that was really... <laughs> 
known for hiring very talented people mm. uh, or poaching them. The same thing. Anyway, got to work with some really talented folks and learn a lot over that time. And then um, actually moved to Portland from San Francisco. So left the job because I couldn't do it remotely because this was, you know, obviously pre-COVID and people sure. thought you couldn't do your job remotely. <laughs> now look at us. Did some other, like worked with other companies here in Portland. I was also freelancing, doing some content work. And then the there was a old colleague of mine from Viral hit me up because he was starting a company, said he could use my help. So I said, okay, let's chat. And we had a conversation about it. Turns out it was Bravado. So Sahil was my old colleague. Uh, one of the co-founders, Chris, was also an old colleague of mine at Viral. So it was like bringing the band back together. Yeah, so that was uh, in July of 2017, started you know building Bravado. At the time, it was very mission-driven and focused on elevating the profession of sales and really highlighting the, you know, championing diversity in sales. And, and I was on board completely, like, let's go, let's do this. I'm stoked. And so for three years, I helped build that brand. You know, we built out some programs. So that was super fun. And then, you know, I started thinking, like, we're talking a lot about diversity in sales. We're, we're sponsoring events. We're doing talks. I'm, you know, speaking. We're creating content. We're sure. you know, doing all this stuff. But it started to feel like it wasn't enough, really. Um, and that compounded with like some directional changes. I was just like, you know what, maybe I should go try sales. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> I awesome. should be the change I wish to see in the sales world. So it, there were, there were some other factors, you know, I like, and it was a similar process where I started just talking to anybody who would listen to me again about sure. making this transition and started learning as much as I possibly could and trying to figure out like, is this something A, I can do, B, I want to do. And eventually after spending three years building a community for sales professionals, I had made a lot of friends in the business. So yeah, you're um, probably a pro before you even started because you know, you had Bilal, you had Sahil, mm -hmm. you had all those guys that were super good at sale and they all had their own style too, which I really appreciated because, you know, Bilal is just like that weird anomaly that, you know, he has this like super talent to be like really good with people and to do things completely different, like giving the price up front or just whatever it might be, just doing something that, you know, most salespeople wouldn't do. And I think when I was, for, you know, doing sales a while back ago, I'm no longer in a sales role, but you needed encouragement from people like that or people that you were doing stuff a little bit differently because you always felt, or at least I did, I felt like at new roles that I was kind of always like wanting to, maybe I was trying to people please the manager or just, you know, wasn't sure what I was doing yet. So I think that I kind of always struggled with that, especially when it was such a, like a dude's world and it was so mm -hmm. like pressure cooked and just, I don't know if you felt that way as well at times, but may, I'm sure you did because being, you know, a woman, it was cool that you're like, Hey, I want to be this change. And I want to step into one of these roles and kind of be a woman in these roles. Cause I think it like, at least the ones that I was at, it just seems like it was such like a, I don't know, I don't want to say like bro culture, but it kind of felt that way at a couple of the places where I even felt like, cause I'm introverted. I'm a little bit in my head at times. I, I needed to go like close myself in a room, do my calls without mm -hmm. being around anyone. Cause I think that I probably was a little insecure about like what people, I don't know. I didn't want to like bail, like right in front of everyone and then just be like embarrassed and then have everyone. I don't know. It was just like a weird thing for me, I guess. I don't know if you've experienced any of that yourself or. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, I mean, we can have a whole other episode uh, digging into some of that. That's a lot to unpack, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, 
So I think that's part of the reason I didn't want to go into sales at first when I first transitioned into the tech world. Like I, and even when I started it, my internship at Viral, I remember the sales team there. Like one of the first people I met was a sales salesperson. When, as soon as I walked in the door, and I, I, we're fast friends. Like I'm still friends with him. He's an awesome human. Once I started working there, the sales floor uh, was just like all guys and mm-hmm. the banging the gong. I remember the first time that happened, it scared the crap out of me. And I was like, what is <laughs> happening? And somebody had to explain to me that like they did that every time someone closed a deal. Right. I was just like, okay, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> Anxiety through the roof. Uh, yeah, anyway, totally. <laughs> yeah, because it was an open floor plan. You know, yeah, I wasn't like, oh, it's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you've got you've got guys like taking whiskey shots and cheering each other on and like doing push-ups and all this. I was like, wow, why would any woman ever want to be a part of that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm a human. I don't even. I don't know. Anyway, but now, so you know, fast forward. Like, I'm in sales now. It's there's a there's not a lot of women on my sales team. And when I first started as an SDR, it was myself and one other woman on the team. And then there was only one woman on the AE team. Now we've got um, three, four women on our AE team. So that's, that's awesome. awesome. And and many more women on the SDR team. So like, that's incredible. And And I had a very open, honest and candid conversation with our CEO in the hiring process about how I felt about diversity in sales and why I was getting into sales and why that was important to me. And I mean, after I got hired, he asked me, he was like, well, we only, you know, there's only one woman on our AE team. Like what, you know, you, you said you wanted to be on a diverse team. And I was like, yes. And I saw the potential because I also saw that like there were other women and other leadership roles in the company. It was very clear to me that that wasn't a problem. It was just that at the time they were so small, we still hadn't hired. I mean, there were only six SDRs when I first started. Now there's like a thousand, not really. I'm kidding. Sure. I mean, it's like <laughs> a lot. Something. But it seems like we've hired a bazillion SDRs in the past couple of months. Um, anyway, that's been a focus. I, I, could, I knew what their intentions were hiring I was confident that we were going in the right direction, which is, and, and, you know, the co-founder's a woman, like it, it just like that all the signs were pointing to like, this is going in the right direction. So I wanted, to, plus all, like, there's a whole host of other reasons why I chose to go to Chili Python, but like, I didn't see that as being a problem and it's not right. Like, so, you know, I would think we have 50% of our leadership is women, all, all trending in the right direction. What do they do exactly at Chili Piper? Chili Piper automates the qualification and routing of your inbound leads. So we, we deem that like inbound engagement and revenue acceleration. So if you can imagine like the typical process when you fill out a request, a demo form, it's like you have to wait to hear back from somebody. Usually there's some back and forth before you yeah. actually schedule the conversation you're wanting to have. Sure. We get rid of all that. We just allow the qualified leads to book as soon as they fill out a form oh, with the cool. right rep. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's qualification really cool. and routing. There's some other pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, it makes total sense. And then when you became like an SCR there, like I, I know that, I guess I'll back up a little bit, but I know that like when you went from, you know, your your marketing kind of side of the business and you wanted to switch over to the sales role, I, I heard also that you had turned down basically a job for this one company as an SDR because it didn't meet the requirements, which I've been there as well. When I've mm-hmm. had like things where I was like, yeah, that don't really use that. But I, I think that you've, made a point to be like, Hey, maybe that's actually like, you know, I could work there for a couple months. And can we talk about that a little? Cause I know that you yeah. did that for a bit and that was a good bridge. I felt like into the world of sales. Yeah. So having no sales experience, trying to get a job in tech sales, I was like, well, 
this will be fun. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I had done it before, so I, I could do it again. I, yeah, I had applied at a lot of, yeah, I was applying to a lot of places and I had this one company that had a great conversation. They gave, they offered me the job on the spot, but it was like an hourly job with no benefits. And I was like, cool. Like I'm super stoked. This sounds like great, but I'm like definitely looking for something a little more stable and, mm-hmm. you know, with X, Y, Z, right. Got off the call very amicably, um, continued having conversations and realized like, one, I had the idea of like, maybe I could propose something to the CEO of this company to see if he'd be down because it seemed like they were just, well, like, you know, they needed people on the phone. This is really what they needed. And so I was like, what if I could help them for a couple months being another body on the phone and then also get the experience of making cold calls and like doing, you know, 80% of the SDR job, right? So like, sure. then, I, then as I'm applying and having these conversations with, with hiring managers, I could say, well, yeah, I actually have had that experience and here's what happened. Or, or yeah, I do know how that works or, you know, whatever. So um, I proposed this idea to the CEO of this company and I said, hey, I like I full transparency, like I am going to continue to look for a full time benefits, like salaried OTE job. But if you're game, like I need experience and I'm happy to work a few hours every day, you know, work part time making cold calls, getting that experience. And if, if you'd be down for that, like, you know, maybe we can make this work for a couple months and, you know, love, it's mutually beneficial. <laughs> I love the transparency though. Cause I, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have the courage to kind of truly say how they feel and like what's on their mind and what's really going on. How did you develop that? Cause I don't necessarily think that, I don't think it's something that I've honed that skill myself. So I, I probably wouldn't have done that just because that's just not my personality. But I love that you did that. I'm just curious, like, is that something that you've always had the courage to do or how did that come about? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I don't think it's innate. You know, I don't think I was just like out of the gate, like I'm not afraid of people rejecting me. And that said, like growing up in the entertainment world and auditioning every almost every day as like a young adult, a teenager and a young adult in New York mm. City, like you can walk into a casting and they're going to just look at you and tell you go home you learn very quickly that that's just part of the game and so I think for a conversation like that where I was like this is mutually beneficial here's my proposal I have this thought out worst case scenario is he says no and I'm in the same boat I'm in right now no big deal yeah that's I love that I think Yeah. yeah I think that's why I I wrote an article about this like I have it's not that I'm not afraid of failing but I definitely know it's part of the process and so so I'm not, I want to embrace that as opposed to be afraid of it. And like, it's also part of learning. Like you can't, I just read the book, The Talent Code. Like I highly recommend it. You can't actually learn anything without failing. So. Oh, I'm, I'm completely with you. I, I'm always like kind of just fail fast as quickly as possible and kind of burn into flames and just whatever happens. Because I think that it's the inaction of things that causes people to get really stuck in their head. And I actually talked to Scott Lee about that. Like we were talking about uh, side hustles and the amount of time it takes for something like if you think about it too long, you end up screwing yourself. And I, I was actually trying to do like professional snowboarding in my early twenties and awesome. yeah. And that, that world is probably similar to dancing where it's just very like, you know, there's not a whole lot of people that could do it. There's like maybe, yeah. I don't know, 300 people in the entire world that could have that real opportunity to do that at that level. And I think that if you, if you think about things too much, though, that a business idea, for example, I, I, once did like bike tours of like Venice beach with like street art and architecture. 
and I thought it was a, like a dope idea. It didn't work out and I did it for a bit. It just monetarily, it just wasn't worth my time. And, I, and I'm mm-hmm. glad that I did it. But I think that if I if I thought about it too much, it probably wouldn't have worked at all. But I think that since I went out there, I tried it, I failed. You know, I, I didn't fail in the eyes of I, I did accomplish something. I, it was like a project, almost mm-hmm. like, you know, like almost like a, a graduate degree or something like that. You know, creating a business, yeah. not doing it is like even worse, right? Like that's the part that's just like, I, I struggle with that because there's always different things that I want to do, but you only have like so much time, right? So like, I don't know. So you well, that's still when you got to put it to the hell yeah test. <laughs> What's the know? hell, is that, what is, what is the hell yeah test? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if somebody asks you like, like, okay, let's say you had this idea of this bike tour company and sure. you and I were chatting about it and you're like, but I'm not really sure. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to be like, Jeremy, do you want to give bike tours on Venice Beach and show people cool <laughs> art and shit? And you're going to go, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Then I'm going to be like, then do it, man. <laughs> if you would say anything else other than hell yeah, then we're like, no, bro, on to the next thing. Yeah, that, that was what was cool about like uh, Scott and Richard surfing. And I know that you win. I'd, I'd love to go mm-hmm. down to Playa Ground. I've been to Playa Ground, but not with that crew. It is on my bucket list of things to do. So I do want to go down there and um, do that. And I know that you did that as well. So it sounded like a really cool experience but they said that he was telling me that that idea was like three months or something like that before him and Richard actually did it all and to me I think that yeah. that's so inspiring right because like that's what you need it's more like more moving and action I've changed a little as I've gotten older but I'm definitely one of those people that's like you know introverted in my head thinking like 30 million different things and like I don't I don't know if you struggle with that as well as well being like a creative person because I do feel like I am a creative person that kind of ended up in like the sales realm. And then I kind of switched into marketing. So we've kind of got divergent paths yeah, almost yeah. into some sort of degree, <laughs> but, it. but I don't know, do you, have you struggled with any of those things or do you struggle with any of these things as well? Like as far as like being introverted or creative or needing your own space to figure this stuff out? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess it's funny cause I don't know if I've had people describe me as both introverted and extroverted and I don't really know how I would describe myself I think it's very dependent on the situation but sure. I'm probably more often than not introverted and, and as far as like how I refuel it's definitely by having my own space and and alone time know, yeah like sure. not being in a room full of 50 people that said like I think part of my growth as a creative artist especially as a choreographer was learning I can't go like if I've been commissioned to do a job and create a piece, like I can't, and I have, you know, a month to do it or something like that. Like I can't go and think of all the, the thing. I can't overthink it, right? Like I have to start moving. You can't mm-hmm. create movement without movement. So, you know, I can be in my head all day long thinking about what I want to do, but until I start doing it, I'm not going to actually figure out, well, does this work or not? Sure. Do I need to make an adjustment here? How can I change this up? Like, and, and that's, that has taken some time and a lot of practice as a creative human, just in my own creative process in that world. And so, you know, it's also, it's translating over now into this role, like, you know, when it comes to outreach or ways of communicating, like I'm always trying to look at things from a different perspective and see like, well, okay, is this working? Is it not? If it is great, how can I make it better? If it's not great how can I make it work like there's there's always iterations to be made I talk about this with my partner a lot because she's still a a performing artist and you know sometimes when you're doing a show run you're doing the same show multiple nights a week 
multiple weeks out of the month. And so we talk about like how to keep that new and fresh every time you perform it, you know, it becomes yeah. muscle memory. And a lot of times you can do that stuff in your sleep. Um, but you don't want to go out there and, and phone it in, you know, it's, you want to be present and, and, and so how do you do that? How do you balance? Like you've done the show a thousand times. It's like, how do you get excited you, for it? Basically yeah. Well, again, yeah. You know, how do you make it new and fresh every time? And like part of it is the audience energy. Part of it is what you bring to it. So trying to think of like, okay, in this section, like I'm like making intentional choices of I'm going to really try to play with expanding or contracting, or I'm going to try to imagine that my bones are like heavy when I'm moving through this piece. Like you can, you can really come up with kind of anything to play with in when you, you know, do it that next time. And it's going to make it new to you. It's going to make it you know, a little bit different, same movement, same music, same thing, um, but still different to you. That makes sense. Actually. I, I play um, piano and I do mm. feel like if I think about like an emotion, like I, I want this part to like vibe, like in like kind of like a dark way or like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I could change it in my head. And even though I'm playing the same sort of things, it sort of feels differently. If mm -hmm. like, I'm thinking about it, in a different way and you'd mentioned something about like heavy bones while dancing and I could imagine that if you're picturing that in your head it you've kind of moved more lethargically it, it, in my mind that's what I was thinking so I do think that like whatever your your brain like whatever you kind of tell it like you know like make this more exciting right here or make it pop or or I think I yeah. spent too much time in my earlier days being like how I was going to screw that up you know in that one <laughs> so I I played too much danced around in my mind too much in, in that area to the point where like and it's funny because I, I wasn't always like that even like you know times when you're snowboarding like you can get broke off if like you think about and broke off meaning just like you yeah. know like you could just die or mm -hmm. whatever things that could happen if something goes wrong. So I, I would say that I've had to like learn or, you know, I've had to keep focused on like controlling my thoughts and my mind and like what was going through it. And then also having like routines as well, like, like playing like music that like pumped me up or like, it could be like talking heads or something that was very playful or like something that, ha that put me in a state of mind that I was like, all right, like I'm having fun. I'm kind of going for, it. I'm not really too concerned about anything else, but like being, kind of in this moment or in this like flow state or that would only happen occasionally but like there was there I think that the times that you always do your best or where you're kind of just having fun and like mm -hmm. kind of not really worried about you know who's watching who's looking at you and it, I'm sure that it was really like that dance too because it seems yeah. very intimidating to have to go out there and you know I guess you guys are at the stage where it's like because you're doing it so much maybe it wasn't that part of it it was like how do I make this more interesting to myself but it seems like there's also probably a gap right like when you're trying to get to that point where you're comfortable on stage, which was that, did that happen right away or? Yeah, I think, like I said, I've been doing this <laughs> since I was little. So there, there was definitely like a, I preferred being on stage. I was a really shy kid. I would like whisper my order at a restaurant to my mom because I didn't want to talk to the server. Sure. Um, but you put me on stage and I was going to just be like, where's the spotlight? Like where, how can I be front and center? Like do the solo, like whatever it is, you know? I felt more comfortable there than anywhere. So that said, yeah, there's still definitely a gap of, I think when I started my pre-professional career, I'm like wanting to make sure I got to that next level. Like, yeah, you do care a lot about what other people think almost to the point of, you know, detriment to my health and well-being, and mm -hmm. um, definitely have to get over that. I don't really, you know, that's a, again, a whole other episode, but uh, sure. getting to the point where 
you don't really care what other people think. Like that's the best place to be. And like you said, getting in that flow state, just having fun and doing the thing and whatever it is, I think that's totally true to sales too. Like I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to try to uncover pains and problems and then I'm going to help you solve them, whether that's with my solution or not. I'm not going to get caught up in, well, did this person like me or not? Or did they buy or not even? It's like, okay, on to the next one, you know? Because that, that's how it was with in, in the arts world. Like, like I said, you should show up to a casting. <laughs> they just look at you and say, get out of here. Yeah, um, that sounds rough. The, yeah. the arts world sounds like it's almost like more of a beating emotionally than sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, then you, and then you get into sales and you're like, at least I could just hide behind the phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there yeah. were times when I would, go, so the I think the two worst experiences when it comes to auditioning is like either you you show up but you don't even get to do anything and they're just like no you know they would they would line you up sometimes and just point yes no yes no right so then you know it's insulting I mean but you can't let it be right you just be like all right well I've got another audition in an hour anyway so great on to the next one the other like kind of other end of the spectrum is like you show up you make it through all the rounds of all the cuts, you know, you're killing it. You're, you know, like doing it's the best thing ever. And you make it feel like it's between you and another person or three other people or whatever it is. And you get cut at that point. And then you're just oh. like, Oh, I wasted five hours of my day. My feet are bleeding and now I'm dead tired and I have no job. When somebody ghosts me or hangs up on me or doesn't respond to my email, that's not a big deal to me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I totally get that. It, it makes sense that your your skin's a little bit thick from from all the dancing, which which makes total sense to me. How did you learn, like when you're doing the SDR role, how did you learn like the messaging for, I don't know if you were writing the sequences or what, or I, I'm assuming they're probably already there, but what, like, how did you learn how to cold call and like what to say and like all that kind of stuff? Was it a little nerve wracking as well at first? Definitely. Um, so like I said, I, I, talked to anybody who would listen to me and I asked a lot of questions I was you know and hopefully still am asking a lot of questions and I'm just like insatiably curious about how to do this job and do it well having come from marketing roles I was familiar with like I mean I started with content marketing so I like right you know writing was not a problem for me and one of the first things I did when I started at Chili Piper was ask Matt my manager at the time like can I change these cadences he's like absolutely first and foremost wanted like yes I took what they had and what works and had been working. I took that and ran with it first because obviously like I'm not trying to break anything that's I'm not trying to fix anything that's not broken. Sure. So, you know, start with that. But then as I built out my process and workflow and started to understand the role and the like day-to-day functions of the role, then I started playing around with messaging and trying to make sure it was true to me and, you know, authentic to how I would speak and act and behave. And then with cold calling, that was like a whole other adventure. We didn't call a lot when I first started at Chili Piper, which was fine. Like we were doing just fine booking meetings over email, but we knew that we were going to have to start calling more. Like it just, you know, we needed to pick up that part of our game. So myself and like another SCR, we took it upon ourselves to like dig dig into that. Like, okay, well, what does this look like for us? Let's, let's write a script. And by script, I mean, sort of like just a skeleton framework, framework, you (laughs) know, not word for word verbatim, but then let's test it. Let's practice it. Let's play with it with another group of BDRs from a different company. So I like actually 
worked with the BDR team at Performio. BDR manager there, his name's Brad Phillips. He's amazing. We got together and put put together this like practice session where we like worked out because they were cold call heavy team. And so Mm. I was like, you guys are the experts here. We're not. So like, let's learn from you. Mm. Um, So we put together this like workshop working session where we just would grind through this framework that we were building out and, you know, we'd tweak things here and there and try to make it work for us and uh, came up with this framework and then put it into practice on our own team and started tracking how well it was doing. And I mean, pretty much instantly we noticed it started to perform better for us. And yeah, so then, you know, cold calling started to become a little bit bigger part of the process. And, you know, obviously we have continued to iterate on that script, on that framework, but that was kind of how it all started. And like, that's what helped me get more comfortable cold calling. And that was a thing I was like, selfishly doing it for me, (laughs) but also knowing that it was going to benefit my team because the cold calling is intimidating. It's, it's, not easy to pick up the phone and call a stranger and hope they'll talk to you. Not easy yeah. at all. It's definitely an art. I, I always found that like, if I did my calls, like in like a row, almost like in mm-hmm. like a two hour block or something like that, I had an easier time because I felt like it was like the starting and stopping that would kind of mess me up, you know, like the time sure, management yeah. of like, all right, I'm going to check my email and then I'm going to go on the LinkedIn for like five minutes and then I'm going to make a call. No, I definitely, like- <laughs> definitely recommend a call block, like have your list ready to go, make it the day before know how, you know, who you're calling and just do it and get it over with in that 90 minutes or, uh, you know, however long it is. And Yeah, I totally agree with that because it seems like that's like the way where you kind of can get into that flow where it's just mm-hmm. a little bit like easier over time. There was one company actually I worked at that used this program um, called Connect and Sales. And it, it was definitely, I'm sure they're an amazing company and everything, but it was just awful to be the person that was on the other side of having to do that call because basically they, they have people dialing. And then as soon as someone picks up, I, I guess they talk to them and they transfer the call to you. So it's like a really weird experience. And like, someone's like sitting on the line and you kind of just have to like pitch them for like mm. right there. And it, it felt like, I mean, I get what they're doing. They're trying to like make the connection rate faster or better or whatever by using, you know, resources in different countries. But it was, it was a little awkward for, I was surprised that people would actually stay on the phone, to be honest. I heard, I have not used... <laughs> So I, I guess I used an auto dialer called Vanilla Soft at that that first company we talked about where I was mm-hmm. like, let me get some cold call skills. But it was very, it was still very much under my control. Like I was the one that I'm calling this person right sure. now. It wasn't like, but I read something recently about the, where it was like, it just like call and then like whoever gets picked up, then it like connects to the rep. And there's like this awkward pause between that. Yeah. And that's when like, it's obvious that you're using an auto dialer. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm just like, uh, it wasn't, it was really odd. And then like the CEO would be like walking the floor. It, it was not a good company to, to work at. And I'm glad that I don't work there anymore, but like I'm sometimes <laughs> sometimes you end up in those situations though like you know where you're like I guess you end up being there for whatever reason but I I find that the people that I met there like all of my friends from that company we still all talk which is interesting because I think that when you go Mm -hmm. through like like a a horrific or just a nasty experience together as a team like you end up how you really feel about this place (laughs) (laughs) um but tell me how this this AE role though how, how are you um so what is it? Four months now into it. How are you liking it? Like how? How did? Yeah. So I know, really quick too. You so you went from like, it sounded like from that interview that you did with Scott that you had, 
like been taking disqualified potentially leads and then mm-hmm. kind of pitching them. I think that was really smart. Can we talk about yeah. that a little and yeah, how, how sure. you're liking your eight-year-old? Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently, according to Scott, I created a whole new play uh, in this. In this um, That's dope. I like it. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it was it was perfect. It was set up perfect, and I took advantage of it. Um, we, at the time, couldn't work with folks who were on HubSpot CRM, but mm. we were very soon going to be able to. Like, we, the, that integration was, like, months away. Mm-hmm. And so, as an SDR, we were told, like, okay, you can't book meetings with for the AEs, you know, can't book demos for people who are on HubSpot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, noted, great. And most of the time it would end up being like, you know, when we're qualifying them and find out they're on a different CRM, we're like, okay, uh, you know, I'm really sorry, or, you know, unfortunately we can't work with you at this moment, like happy to keep in touch, whatever. And that would usually be the end of the conversation. Every once in a while, people would be like, okay, that's cool, but I still really want to see what the tool does or like, I still really want to learn about Chili Piper. And I like, I was just like, okay, well, I'll show you like that. <laughs> I can do that. I can't show you everything because I don't, you know, I didn't have like backend privileges and things like that, but I, I could show them what I could. I could talk them through it. I could show them our test demo form and get them to fill it out and see that experience for themselves. And so I basically, and that, you know, obviously, watching gong calls all the time of our AEs giving demos so I just picked up you know some stuff and I think after I did it maybe I did ask permission I I I think I went to Matt and said and I was just like hey this company like they're DQ'd but they do still want to see Chili Piper is it cool if I just kind of give them a fake demo and he was like yeah why not I was like okay cool and this was literally month two into my SDR role which is literally month two into my sales experience ever so Damn, um, it's fast. That's really fast. I, so, I, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I was, I would probably be hiding a little bit. It's one of those things where I don't know if you feel the same, but sometimes I like that, that initiative. I think it's really dope, but I also feel like sometimes like I, in a new organization, I just kind of want to just like blend in and like disappear into the wall. Type of thing. I don't know if you've ever no had way, that. Man. <laughs> nah. I knew I had, I had high hopes coming in and I had goals and visions and I definitely did not want to be a wallflower um <laughs> you know and at the time yeah, there were sure. only six of us anyway what was where was I gonna hide uh, <laughs> yeah. it just seemed like the thing to do like it seems like I knew I wanted to be an AE it seems like a perfectly good opportunity for me to get some reps in on that sure. what what it might feel like to give demos there was zero risk yeah I sure I couldn't mess anything up because I couldn't sell to them anyway yeah. Uh, best case scenario is that I was going to like keep them around a little longer than them, like when uh, we did get the integration, then they'd come in and be a closed one because they had a great experience from the get go, which that did happen to like three of my uh, prospects. So, yeah, I mean, it just it worked out. And then when I when it came time for me to I like raised my hand for the AE role, like timing seemed right. I talked to a few people like, is it, is now the right time or should I hang out a little longer in the SDR role? Cause I'm happy there too, like, you know, whatever. Um, and I had a couple of people give me the thumbs up and be like, yeah, start advocating for yourself, start campaigning for yourself, you know, whatever. And so I did. And I remember looking up the memo about like various people were contributing to it about should they move me up to an AE or, or not or move me over. I don't think it's enough. Anyway, um, sure. and I think it was, I think it was Matt who wrote, yeah, she's been giving demos since month two. Like, of course, we're going <laughs> you know, to move her or, you know, like the comments on the, on the memo were just like 
of course. And like, that's what you want to do when you're trying to get a promotion, right? Like just make it a no brainer, whether it's promotion or a new job, whatever it is, like make it a no brainer decision for the people, for the decision makers to do that. Make it so that they're like, well, a hell yeah. Like it's the hell yeah test again. You were there. I mean, you were already doing the demos two months in. You had already showed the initiative. You campaigned for yourself. I mean, I think that there was a lot going on there that that's why you got there so quickly. I think a lot of people probably in their minds, like they might be thinking the things that you were thinking in their mind, but they don't actually do anything about it. You know, they're like, I want to become this AE. And they tell maybe their friend or whatever, I don't know, their girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, whatever. And it's interesting that like a lot of people don't really say what they want for whatever reason, maybe they're scared of like, not because they might not be able to get it or whatever. But I really like the fact that you kind of just say what you want, you do it. And then you're kind of like preparing for like the next step already while you're in, in process, which a lot of people don't do as well, which I find, I think those are all really cool kind of takeaways yeah. from your experience. Yeah, man. I want to be a CRO one day. I don't, I don't know when it might be five years. It might be two years. I don't know, but like, I already know what the, the next step is. And that may change, but like, as of today, that's my next step. So, you know, when I first started as an SDR, I was like, my next step is going to be AE. The SDR team lead role was like never on my plan, like never on my map, but it, the opportunity presented itself. I saw an opportunity for me to learn some more and grow some more. And I took it and just was an awesome experience there to have some like sales development leadership experience and then also Mm -hmm. I learned a lot more about the SDR role in general right like it it was the best way to learn is to teach right so sure coaching other reps other you know incoming reps on how to do the job helped me learn how to do the job better so I'm hopeful and and optimistic there will be other opportunities like that for me in the rest of my journey on to the next thing and like I always want to have like a next thing even if it changes even if it eventually changes like I always want to have my short-term goals and then some North star long-term goal so that I, there's like a reason and a purpose for doing what I'm doing every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. No, I'm with that. I think the CRO, CRO role sounds pretty fascinating and that's a, a beast role in its own. I, I know that you'll get there and it'll be interesting to see what it is like when you do get there and, you know, it seems like it'd be a very stressful role. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which I'm not I think in any hurry to get there. <laughs> I think the tenure tenure is what, like 15 months or so? I don't know about CRO, but I guess VP of sales. VP of sales is 18 months. 18 months, yeah. I mean, crazy. Crazy, crazy stress. But I mean, I think that'd be an interesting experience. Maybe like write a book on it or something. That'd be kind of fun. (laughs) Add that to my list of accomplishments. I'm going to write a book too. Heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Well, um, anyways, that was super fun. If people want to reach out and I guess get a demo of uh, Chili Piper or reach out to you, how do they do it? Yeah, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ashley Zaxt, Z-A-G-S-T. Uh, you can also hit me up via email, ashley at chilipiper.com. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ashley. I thought it was super fun. I mean, I think that her style is really unique. She's got a ton of courage, and it should be really interesting to see how quickly she makes it to the CRO role because she seems to kind of just divide and conquer. Thanks for uh, sticking around.